This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Good morning, Living Faith. Thank you for joining us this morning. Before we get into the message, what I would like to do is, we always do um, offerings at the beginning, and I'd like to do it right now. Um, And I want to do it in a slightly different way. If you open your Bible to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. For whatever is, for whatever is born of God, whatever anything that is born of God is the blessing. When we speak about the blessing, we're speaking about supernatural abundance. Anything that is supernaturally abundant overcomes the world. That's what God's blessing does in our lives. What God is saying to us is this. If you are prepared to take your life and you prepare to be obedient to me, if you honor my words and the things that I speak into your life and you position your life accordingly, you put yourself at a place where you recognize and you will realize my blessing, my supernatural abundance in your life. That's what he's inviting us into. It kind of relates to Malachi 3.10 when it says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse and prove me now if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain it. That I will not open the window of heaven and pour out supernatural abundance onto you. God is saying, I'm asking you to do certain things because when you do that and you honor what I'm calling you to, you're putting yourself at a place where you're going to realize supernatural abundance. We have a challenge in that sometimes what we do is we equate supernatural abundance with cash. We think I need cash in my life. But remember, any time that you take God's blessing and you equate it simply to cash, what you're doing is you're taking it and you're putting it in the context of the world system. The world system is all about cash. God's economy is all about blessing. Because there are things that can happen in your life that cash can't do anything to help you with. But there are places in your life, there are no places in your life that cannot be invaded by blessing. That's the reason that God calls us to live by faith. Because when you live by faith, it can provide for you in areas that cash cannot provide for you. It can liberate you and can set you free from some things that cash cannot set you free from. It can give you blessing. It can give you provision. It can give you liberty. It can give you freedom. It can give you growth. It can move you into places of life that only blessing can move you into and the world system cannot do. Put yourself at a place and my encouragement to you right now is this. Whatever God is speaking into your life and into your heart right now, be obedient to it. We're talking specifically in the area right now of finances, but it's not limited to that. God is always moving you. God is always encouraging you. God is always where he can invite you into blessing. And every time he's speaking into your life, what he's doing is he's creating a pathway for you to migrate from where you are so that you can step into blessing, so that you can step into supernatural provision and abundance in your life. Father, I just want to thank you right now for people who are obedient to you. And I want to thank you, Father, that what you've said is people who are obedient, you will honor with blessing. Supernatural abundance.
I thank you, Father, right now. Holy Spirit, as you begin to and continue to speak into the lives of different people, I want to thank you right now that you're creating a pathway and an avenue for them to take their life and to move their life into a space where they experience supernatural abundance, your provision in their life. I want to thank you that your provision in people's lives overcomes everything that is of the world. Father, I just want to thank you that no matter what our need might be right now, we are not simply limited to what cash can do but we open up opportunities for you to touch parts of our being, parts of our life, parts of our thinking, parts of our family, parts of our our careers, every avenue of our life and every aspect of our life we make open and available to you. And we, we, we command and we, we place a demand on the supernatural blessing right now. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been talking about God's blessing, and I want to continue with that today. And if you would open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15, and I'm going to start reading from verse 1. And it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing as I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliza of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, the one in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body will be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and counted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit. The white picket fence has iconic status in America. When people speak about the white picket fence, what they're talking about is they're talking about the fruit of my labor. The fruit of our labor goes into the most important thing that we own the most important asset that we have, which is our home. When you talk about people's home, you're talking about their life. You're talking about their livelihood. You're talking about what has been produced as a result of their labors. Home life is different. Many people live with a spouse, husband or a wife. And the way that they define that relationship is probably different to the way that you define yours. The way that they approach us is probably different to the way that you do. But it's something that's representative of them. The way that they raise their children is probably different to the way that you might raise your children, but it's representative of them. We live in a society that recognizes the need and the value of personal responsibility and equipping us as people to take on and produce from our life. It becomes something that becomes fundamental to us. Not only is it encouraged in society, but we've equipped and established a structure around us to make sure that that works the way that it should. We have inherited within us a whole bunch of deposits that have been put on the inside of us. And when we raised and as we go up and we move into our own picket fence, our own home, we bring with us all of these thoughts and all of these ideas, this collection of different material that we 
use to begin to live from that begins to give definition to our life. We have a society that says we want to go out and we want to understand who you are, what your, your abilities are. And we create an education system so that people can go into that, so that they can learn, so that they can grow, so that, that they can expand, so that their abilities are, and skill sets are honed. Why? Because we believe in you being a productive citizen. Everything is geared towards productivity and the fruit of your labors. We grow up in this environment and we're comfortable in this environment. The challenge with it from a spiritual point of view is that my whole world and my whole picket fence life is all about me. Everything is about me and my productivity, my abilities, my knowledge, what I believe, my predisposition, how I want to handle life. Everything is about me. The challenge when I go through life with God when it's all about me is that there's very little room for him. It becomes a big challenge. It becomes a big problem. What we all too often want to do is we want to invite God into our life as opposed to recognizing the fact that we need to let go of some stuff and move into his. Transitions are important. Transitions are a fundamental part of what society is all about. And as we move through life from a young stage all the way up to to the place where we get to retirement, we're going to discover that we're going to encounter points of transition all the way along the way. When you were at college, you could do some things, you could behave in some ways, and you could carry on in ways that you're not able to do when you transition from college into your, into your career. Once you get your first job, you don't have the prerogative of arriving late just because you felt like it. You've got to leave some stuff behind because responsibility is calling. You have to embrace something new. You don't have the prerogative of being irresponsible and, and being negligent about things because when you move into your new job, suddenly you recognize the fact that I have a mortgage. I have a car payment. I have insurance. There are things that come up in my way and I recognize that in order for me to make the transition from where I was and to move from being a young person into a young adult, I've got to leave some stuff behind and I've got to move into a new phase of my life. It's the same thing that happens when you get married. You can enjoy your bachelorhood and bachelorhood is good and it has its fun moments. But when you decide to make the transition from bachelorhood and you want to become a husband, all of a sudden you're gonna have to leave some stuff behind because it doesn't contribute any value to the next phase of life. You cannot behave independently when you get married because you have somebody else that you have to consider. It's appropriate. You can't go out partying with the boys anymore because all of a sudden that life has been left behind. I've transitioned into something new. Transitions become important for us, but it's the same way with God. We want to live in, the, in, the, in our white picket fence world and we want to live in that space and we don't always recognize the fact that when God speaks to us and God extends an invitation to us, what he's doing is he's basically paving the way for a transition. He's creating an opportunity for us to transition where we are right at the moment and for us to transition into something new with him. But every time transitions come, I have to let go of some stuff behind me and I have to let go of that and I have to move into something new. There are going to be some new things I'm going to have to recognize, some new skill sets I'm going to have to embrace, some new thinking that I'm going to have to be able to walk into because the way that I used to be is not who I'm going to go into. God comes and he starts speaking to Abram and he says to Abram, I want you to leave what you know so that you can inherit what I'm going to give you. 
I want you to leave what you know so that you can inherit what I'm going to give you. Leaving what I know so that I can inherit is interesting. You see, for us, what we know is our white picket fence. What we know is the world that I've established. What I know is the relationship that I've built. What I know is how I've decided to raise my kids. What I know is the world that's defined within those quarters. And what God's saying to me is, if you want to embrace and you want to realize the blessing, if you want to inherit where it is that I want to take you, you're going to have to make a transition. You're going to have to leave what you know and you're going to have to move into something new. You see, when God spoke to Adam and God blessed Adam, what he said to him was, I want you to be fruitful. Fruitfulness with Adam was totally linked to Adam being in relationship with God. As a result of being connected to God's spirit, what ended up happening is is it produced fruit in his life. The fruit of love produced itself. Love came out as joy and peace and patience and long-suffering. It made his life fruitful. He was able to multiply because everything that he laid his hands to prospered. Not because he was great, but because he was connected to the greater one. When he got to the place where he was to take dominion and he was to reign and rule over the domain called his life, what gave him that position and what gave him that authority was the fact that he was connected to God. But Adam made a decision to make a transition. Adam decided that he was going to transition away from God and he would go and find his God-likeness independently of him. And he would go and try and find it in his independence and what he was able to do. And as a result of that, he had to leave some stuff behind called the blessing. And what he did is he grabbed hold of my own ability and what I'm able to do. And life became a lot tougher. Everything that was produced in Adam's life from that point onward was not produced out of blessing. It was produced out of labor. Our picket fence has been produced out of labor, but God loves you too much to leave you in that confine. And what is extended to you is the opportunity to step into blessing. But what he's saying is, I want you to transition back to my original design. It's not by the labor of your hands. It's getting reconnected to the one who is the the initiator of blessing. It's all about our identity. You see, the challenge for the Israelites when they were in Egypt was they were looking for freedom and they thought that God's goal was to take them out of slavery. But that was never God's goal. God's goal was to take them out of slavery and into the promised land. God had an end goal in mind. He had an end um, uh, intention with them. It wasn't just taking them out from where they were and the limitations in which they found themselves. A lot of people are looking for freedom without looking for the promised land. What it means is you can potentially change, trade one set of shackles for another. There are a lot of people that have got a lot of advice. There are a lot of different counselors and therapists and all kinds of motivational speakers who are going to tell you, you know what, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to restructure your life so that you can change your marriage and make it better, so that you can change your career and make it better, so that you can change your family life and make it better, so that you can change yourself and walk into a dimension of happiness and fulfillment fulfillment that you're looking for. It may walk you into freedom, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to walk you into the promised land. The only one who's going to walk you into the promised land is God. It's important that we find out what it is that he has for us because he's, going to, he's the one who's responsible for taking us there. So he says to Adam, to Adam, he didn't say that to Adam. He said to Abram, he said to Abram, I want you 
to leave what you know so that you can inherit. Knowing is so important for us. Part of the reason transitions are so hard for us because is because we want a sense of knowing. We want a sense of certainty as to what tomorrow is going to bring. The reason that we are faced with challenges, uh, when we are faced with challenges, the first thing we do is we go about and we start having a look to see if we can get as much information as possible. We go and speak to people. We read up about it. We explore things. We get more, as much information as possible. Why? Because we want to know where I'm going. If I make this decision, what is it going to look like if I go in that direction? What is it going to look like if, it, if I go in that direction? The more that I can color my sense of knowing, the more of a sense of comfort I have in making the decision. One of the hardest decisions to make is when you don't know. It's uncomfortable. People want to know. That's why they go to things like astrologers. It's why they go and they read about what the stars predict for them next week. People are looking for a sense of knowing. People want to know what the future holds for them. There is a sense of comfort that comes from knowing. When God's looking for someone to work with him, he's looking and he says, if I can find someone who is prepared to leave what they know and to move into a space that is undefined, maybe I'll find somebody who is prepared to call those things that be not as though they are. If I can find somebody who is prepared to let go of what they know and to embrace the unfamiliar, maybe I can find somebody who can let go of a world that's been defined by their abilities to embrace a set of abilities that have been defined by a higher world. If I can find somebody who can let go of the world that they know and embrace something that's unfamiliar to them, maybe I can find somebody who isn't grounded and rooted in a trust that is based on seeing, but a trust that is based on knowing something on the inside is real, even though I can't see it. God is looking for people to change our sense of knowing in order to walk into his divine plan for our life. We like to stay rooted and our sense of knowing is all grounded in the natural. God is not a natural being. God is a spiritual being. And when he starts to work with us, part of the reason that he starts to make changes in our life is because he wants us to make a transition, not only in terms of our actions, but before we even get into our actions, he wants us to come to a place where we recognize the fact that he's asking us to make a transition in terms of our value set. The things that are important to us are not necessarily the things that we can see, are not necessarily the things that surround us. The things that become important to us are the things that are alive on the inside of us. It becomes something where God starts to do something inside of us because he says, if it can become a reality to you, if you can grab a hold of it internally, it is something that can become a reality in your life. He doesn't leave Abram in a place where he doesn't give him any definition he doesn't leave Abram in a place where he's just wandering around. What he does is he goes to Abram and it says, and he says to Abram, he spoke to Abram. And I actually prefer the words that come out of Genesis chapter 12, verses two onwards. And what he says to Abram is, he says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. 
He begins speaking to Abram. And the reason that he speaks to Abram is because he's giving Abram an idea as to the direction of his life. He's speaking to Abram and he's saying to Abram, I know what your future is going to look like. I've got your future mapped out. Will you trust me? Will you let go of what you know? Will you let go of where you're comfortable? And will you step out and move in a direction with me? Because this is where I want to lead you. Our future with God always starts when he speaks. Our future with God always starts when he speaks. We got to hear the voice of God. If we don't hear the voice of God, we don't know where we're going. It's so vital for us to be in relationship with him. You see, when you start to hear the voice of God and he begins to communicate to us and he gives you an idea, he gives you a promise for your life. What he's saying to you is, I'm going to take you from where you are and I'm going to take you to this place. But what he begins to do is, and part of the reason that he gives it to us is because he wants us to take that promise and he wants us to spend our time meditating on it. Because the more that we consider it and the more that we spend time running it over on the inside of us, what ends up happening is the Holy Spirit establishes that on the inside of us. It becomes so alive on the inside of us that I can see my vision even though my future isn't, it's not apparent in my, in my present reality. I can see where God is taking, to, taking me and I am able to identify what my future is going to look like even if nothing around about me looks that way. It becomes important because when that's established on the inside of you, it births something called confidence. And confidence, it's another word for trust. You're going to have to have the confidence. You're going to have to have the trust that you can trust him to take you through places that may not necessarily look like his promise is going to manifest. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, without the promise established inside of you, it's impossible to please God because those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What he wants you to know is this, if he's given you the promise, he's giving you the reassurance that he will be the one who rewards that and he is the one who will make sure that it is fulfilled in your life. It becomes important because there's no greater assurance than God's validation. When God says something's going to happen, you can be reassured that something's going to happen. And what it does is it begins to feed that sense of trust on the inside of us. Trust becomes important because when God speaks to you, he's going to give you a promise, but he's not going to tell you how you're going to get from where you are to where the promise is going to be manifest. It's important that we hold on to that. It's important that it be something that, that's, that's alive on the inside of us because the journey is going to be rough. We don't always think it is, but it is. And part of the reason for that is because you have to grow inside of that. God is going to take you to a promise and he wants you to be at a place where you're able to embrace the fullness of what he has for you. When God began to speak to somebody called Joseph, he spoke to him once and he gave him a dream about who he was going to be. He spoke to Joseph about his greatness. He spoke to him about the fact that he wanted to elevate him, to give him a, a position in government that was, would elevate his status in society. And he got excited about it. He got thrilled about it. And then he got a second word from God. So that was definitely affirmation that it was going to happen. And he got so excited about it, he ran around telling everybody about the promise that God had given him. He was ran around telling his mom and dad. He ran around telling his brothers, running, rubbing their nose in the fact that God was going to do something with his life. What he didn't realize was that between God speaking to him and God's giving him that and the actual fulfillment of the promise, his brothers would grow to despise him. 
and they would throw him in a pit and they would sell him into slavery and he'd have to work as a slave and he'd get thrown into prison for many years before he ever realized the dream. I think in many ways, if Joseph had known what the journey was going to be like, I wonder whether he would have embraced the promise or whether he would have said, thank you, but I'll pass on that. The reason that God doesn't always tell us the journey is because between here and there, there are a lot of windy turns you're going to have to take. You're going to stub your toe. There's some things that are going to happen along the way. And it's because you know what? Who you are today is not really the person that God ultimately wants you to be. You have the full potential on the inside of you, but he wants to introduce that to you. And as you journey along with him, what's going to end up happening is the circumstances and the situations of your life are going to raise aspects of who you are and bring it up in front of you and invite you to step into what God's plan is for your life, to step into addressing that stuff and making some changes. You prayed for the wife of your dreams. You prayed for the husband of your dreams. And when they came into your life, you just loved them. And we're just so happy. And everything is just bubble and mush and it's so wonderful. And we got married. And once we got married, all of a sudden, there was a whole bunch of confrontation that took place. And suddenly I started to think, was he really from God? Was she really from God? Yes, they were. The problem is this. You're not perfect. And neither is the other person. And God brings imperfections together so that imperfections can work on one another. So that what ends up happening is what we begin to do is confront some of the things that we didn't even recognize were there. And some of the things that we were able to live with in our independence that you're never going to be able to live with in the context of relationship. God is doing some stuff in people's lives. Why? We have a choice to make as to what we want to do when God begins to work in our life. Because God is going to show you stuff and God is going to invite you when he shows you something to leave home. The biggest problem with so many Christians is they don't want to leave home. We want to stay in our little white picket fence. Well, this is who I am. You've just said to God, thanks so much for the invitation. I appreciate the promise, but I'm not going anywhere. Anytime you sit and say, well, this is just the way that I've always believed. What you're saying is thank you, but no thanks. What you say, if you say, well, this is the way I did it. This is the way my family did it. This is the way everybody else has done it. What you're saying to God is thank you, but no thanks. Every time something happens in your life, God is extending an invitation to sit and say to you, do you want to take a journey beyond your white picket fence to the way that you've defined things? And do you want to step into promise? But you have to make a decision about whether you want to do that or not. He's never going to pull you out kicking and screaming. Thank you, Father, for this little bundle of joy. Three bundles of joy that you've given us. We love them so very much. Until they grow up and they run around like terrors all over the place. And all of a sudden what you end up doing is you discover the fact that you're frayed around the edges. Because it's being pulled, you're being pulled at in every direction with continually. And you recognize something. I don't have the patience levels that I thought I had. You've got a decision to make. You've got a decision to make. Do you want to leave home and go with him? Or are you going to sit and say, well, that's just who I am. It's part of the challenge that we have. God's always inviting us beyond what we've defined, how we think we should live life. The, the, the establishment that we have set in place and he's sitting saying, where do you want to go? Because you can live where you are right now or you can step and open the gate and step into blessing. But I'm going to take you on a journey because the thing about it is where you are right now is not where I want you to be. 
But do you want to embrace that? James 2 verse 20 says, A promise established within you without action is dead. God can give you a promise and it can be something that excites you. And it's something that that is so alive on the inside of you. But unless you are prepared to leave home without it, uh, unless you are prepared to leave home, you'll never walk into it. You'll never realize it. Part of the challenge that we have is that we have too many Christians who are apartheid Christians. Growing up in South Africa, we grew up under a political system called apartheid. And I don't have time to get into the whole history of it, but for a whole bunch of political reasons and historic reasons and cultural reasons, there was a decision made that what they were going to do is they were going to introduce a system of separate development. That's what apartheid means. So what they would do is they would take one country and divide it up into different segments according to culture and race. And all of those people would develop independently of one another. Sometimes we want to do that as Christians. We want to live in a place of separate development. I want to live in my home. I want to live the way that I want to live. I want to do the things that I want to do. I want to exercise things the way that I feel. I want to exercise my own judgments. I want to live the way that I want to live. But at the same time, I have a recognition of God. So I live in my place over here and I grow up over here. But over in this section over here, I have God. The challenge with it is anytime I take who I am and I began to segment myself and divide myself into separate development areas, I divide myself and a house divided against itself cannot stand. I want to know why I never walk into the things of God because I've never been at a place where I've said to God, God, I understand that the calling on my life is to leave what I know so that I can embrace and grab a hold of my inheritance. I've tried to stay at home and what I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to take the things of yours and I'm trying to find a space in my world, in my life, inside my white picket fence where I can put you where you're comfortable and you can live. But I didn't want to change. If we don't change and we don't move out, we don't walk into the things of God and we never realize all that God has for us. What God is saying is this. You can do things in your own ability. You can live in your own ability and so much of what you will experience will be good. But you'll never realize the fullness of what I have for you. You will never realize the expansiveness of who you were designed to be and you'll never realize the full potential of all of those different areas until you get to a place where you sit and say, Father, you know what? I'm prepared to leave home. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to leave my thinking and my ways behind so that I can embrace yours. Anytime we begin to act independently of God, we miss the mark. We miss the mark. That's what Adam did. When Adam took it upon himself to sit and say, I'm going to go and discover my God likeness made in the image of God independently of him. What he did was he missed the mark. Instead of eating from the tree of life, he went and he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He missed the mark. What we do is we miss the mark sometimes. Because what we do is we want to live according to the way that I, do, I, I see things and how I can do it. All too often what we do want to do is we want to use UPS to take God's blessing from outside and come and get it delivered inside the white picket fence. 
The problem is God sitting saying, I need for you to leave home so that you can walk into the blessing. But I don't want to do that. What I'm looking for God to do is I'm looking for God to come into my space and for God to bless my ability. I don't understand why things aren't happening because I'm trying really hard and I'm working really hard and I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff and I'm looking for everything that I'm doing to prosper. And God sitting saying the problem with it is it's not that there isn't any blessing. The problem is that you're not in a place where you position to walk into the blessing. You're trying to take the blessing into your ability as opposed to sitting saying, I got to let go of some stuff, walk out of what I can do and link with God. And once I link with him and his purpose and his design, I'll step under blessing and I'll realize what it is. It's the story of the, uh, the prodigal son. People think the prodigal son lived a, a hedonistic life and that was what constituted him missing the mark. That was, that's what constituted his sin. But the prodigal son's sin was that he left home. As a result of leaving home, he lived a lifestyle that was sinful. That's the challenge with so many Christians. Because we don't stay connected and we, because we don't stay linked to God, what ends up happening is we produce fruit, but the fruit that we produce is fruit of our own doing, fruit of our, our own ability, fruit of our own thinking, fruit of our own intentions. We produce that fruit. And although we can produce it, God says, I'm not interested in the fact that you are able and capable of producing fruit. I'm interested in you producing fruit that's of me. The only way that we get to produce fruit of him is when we link with the vine. You are the, he, he is the vine, we are the branches. Unless the branches are linked to the vine, we don't produce. And fruit doesn't happen. God's interested in us producing fruit, but we produce fruit when we link to him. Abraham had a look at his situation. And he goes out and he speaks to God and he says to God, God, I got the challenge here, God. I know what you said. I understand the promise. I've left home because I'm following what you said to me. The challenge, God, is this. You're telling me that you're going to make me a father of many nations. The problem, God, is that I don't have a son. Abram was looking for a son. But God saw the stars. All too often in life, what ends up happening is we're looking for God to come in and we're looking for God to provide my need right here. And God's sitting saying, I understand that, but you know what? I'd rather introduce you to something called prosperity. We want our immediacy taken care of and God sitting saying, it's more important for you to have vision which goes beyond your immediate need because when you understand that, what will end up happening is it won't just change the circumstance and the situation, it'll change your life. It'll change the way that you handle circumstances and situations. We want God to come and we want God to touch us because we've got a cold and God's sitting saying, I appreciate that but let me get you, give you vision for what it is to live in divine health. We want to look at our circumstance and our situation. We look at the moment and we look at what's challenging us right now. And it's not that God isn't interested and concerned about that, but God is going to give us vision for something which is much greater than what we were, we're aware of. When God comes into our circumstance and he begins to speak to you, God isn't going to give you vision for something that you already have. God's not going to give you vision for something that you've already done. God's going to give you vision for the impossible. That's what God does. 
So every time we link with God and we get together with God, get prepared for the impossible. The reason that he does that is because if he was to do something that was small, he wouldn't have to take you away from home. You were capable of doing it yourself. The reason that he took you away from home was because you, re- you got to a place where you said, I cannot do this by myself. I'm linked to you and I'm dependent on you. And unless you come through for me, the impossible is never going to manifest. The impossible is never going to happen. There are a few key principles that are so important in understanding when God began to work with Abram. The one is this. We're always comfortable in our independence and the way that we've defined our own life. And God is always going to call us away from self-reliance and independence. And he's going to call us into relationship. In every aspect of our life, he's asking us and inviting us to rediscover ourselves in the context of relationship with him. We have to make a choice as to whether we prepare to stay, whether we prepare to go with him or whether we're going to dig our heels in and stay where we are. God has a plan and a purpose for every person's life and he will walk you into that purpose. On the road to Damascus, it talks about when Jesus met Paul and he was kicking against the goads. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about the the fact that the Holy Spirit was working in his life. The Holy Spirit up until that point had been prompting him, had been inviting him, had been pushing him, had been working in his life. And Paul had been kicking and screaming internally all the way down the line. And Jesus says to him, why are you kicking against the goads? Don't you understand? I have a plan and I have a purpose for your life. Why do you keep doing that? Why don't you just surrender and discover your future in the context of me? We do that with regularity. We have so many people who kick against the goads because I just don't want to do that. I don't want to step into what I, be, I think God wants for me. The reason we don't want to step into what we believe God has for us is because we don't trust him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What he's saying is trust is a function of love. If you believe that God has your best interests at heart and his intentions are to move you in, to all that he has for you. If you know that God is wanting to relocate you from where you are and position you under blessing, if you know that God is wanting to take the standard of your life and elevate it, if you were sold on that fact, it doesn't matter what he invites you into. You would be the first in line to jump at that. What he's saying is this, recognize and get established in his love for you. When you know how much he loves you, The moment he invites you into anything, you'll grab a hold of it because you know all it can do is benefit your life. He's inviting you to make changes. We're comfortable where we live because we've lived there all of our lives. We've established it. We know it. There is a sense of security that comes for every person in living where we've always been. But where we currently are is never as healthy as where he wants to take us. Be open to embrace his invitation. And move our lives forward. When you begin to work with God, recognize the fact that he's going to inject vision into your life. And what he's going to do is he's going to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. He's going to plant some stuff on the inside of you. Sit and spend time meditating on the promises that he gives to you. Let that come alive on the inside of you and let it become expansive. Don't let your future be directed about, by what you see and by what's happening about you right now. You stay steadfast and you stay connected to the truth that's established on the inside of you. Because God said, I will see it through. I will be the rewarder. I will be the one who makes sure that 
that is realized. As long as you do your part and you follow through with obedience. God loves us so very much that even though Adam messed up, God has spent time from the very beginning of man's creation up until now working tirelessly to reestablish opportunities for us to reconnect with him. Our relation, my dad always used to say this. Your relationship with God is as far along the line today as you want it to be. Our relationship with God is as intimate as we define it, not as intimate as he does. He's always open fully. We give definition to that. We set the parameters for that. I want to encourage you in the week that lies ahead. Get together with God. Find out promises for whatever area of your life you're struggling in right now. Go and get with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Grab hold of the word of God and begin to look for scriptures. God uses those scriptures to speak to you. That's life. Get into the scriptures and begin to meditate on that. And what will happen is it creates a a fertile environment for the Holy Spirit to take that and to begin to, to get that established on the inside of you. Grab a hold of that. Go to the gate of the white picket fence, open it wide and step through and say, take me on a journey, Father. Let's go somewhere. Let's do something fabulous. Have a blessed week. Enjoy it. I'll try and speak to you this week, but I know I'll be back next Sunday. But I I know there are a few of you sitting saying we want to hear more of you through the week. So we'll try and do that. But I'd love to hear from you. I just want to tell you something, no matter what's happening right now. Continue to be the light in the life. Continue to be the salt. It's easy to fall into what everybody else is doing. Be different. There is no greater opportunity to be the light than when darkness is pervasive. It's your your brightest moment to shine. Do it with your neighbors, with your family, with your friends. Do it in your household. Stand up for those things. Father, I just want to thank you for every person listening today. And I want to thank you, Father, for touching their lives and for for transformation in them. I want to thank you, Father, that every person listening today, Holy Spirit, I ask you to begin to build promise on the inside of them. And I want to thank you that that translates into courage, into trust, into the ability to be able to open that gate and step out and walk with you. I want to thank you that you have a plan and a purpose, that you have a future for every person's life and that you're always at a place where you're encouraging us, where you're grabbing a hold of us, where you're creating ways and opportunities, where you're introducing us to our future and you're moving us in that direction. We bless you for your goodness, Father. We thank you for all that you do for us. I want to thank you for your healing power that touches every person right now. I want to thank you for divine health that each of us lives in. I want to thank you for divine healing that touches everybody that needs it right now. From the top of their heads all the way through. I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for touching bodies right now. And we thank you for healings. We thank you for wholeness. And we bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.